Hello, five enemies. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> there are enemies. Yeah. There. Hello, friends and enemies. Hello, five listeners. Hello, BD Wong. Hi. It's time for Perhaps It's You, your favorite unofficial Unsolved Mysteries rewatch podcast. I'm Samantha. I'm Liz. And we have a special guest today, your voice crush. It's Mac. Hi, everyone. I think we had a request of Mac on this episode. Uh, this, this, what is it? Episode three of season five? Two of season five. We're on episode three. Oh my God. I don't even know what day it is. No one does. It's okay. Are we making a podcast right now? For some reason, yes. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to keep those five enemies happy if it's the last thing we do. Absolutely. Does anyone know how BD Wong is doing? I asked on Twitter and I got no answers and I just hope he's okay. Oh no, BD Wong, if you're listening. He's not on Twitter, so I can't ask him directly. So I bet he's got a I bet he's got a fake. He's got like a an anonymous account. Or like a PR person runs an account for him, right? I mean he doesn't have a like check mark account. So maybe he's like, you know, I don't know what. He's drill. <laughs> Some random thing. There was that that BD Wong bot on Twitter. Yes. Where anytime anyone on Twitter mentioned BD Wong, they would just tweet back BD Wong with an exclamation point. <laughs> that I don't think it's up anymore because I didn't get that. What, is, what was the God. point of that? I don't know. BD Wong bot is sick. <laughs> oh no. Not the bot. Not the BD Wong bot. Um yeah, how how are you hanging in there, Samantha? Uh, you know, taking it one day at a time. Um, that's good. I don't think I'm doing that, and that's a ba- that's a bad idea. Don't be like me. <laughs> well, I mean, in a way, you are, right? I mean, we all do it in our own way. I, I guess. I'm just hanging out with the dogs every day. This is the greatest time of their lives. Yeah, d- dogs love this. They get lots of attention. People are home all the time. Perhaps they get extra walks. It's like best thing that ever happened to them definitely how are you you guys holding up over there i mean we're alive so that's good that's really all you can ask for well, at this point, right? low. very very low mac how are, how are you holding up uh you know it's uh it's weird our beef jerky supplies yeah you were eating that just before we started <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> throw you under the you bus. really gotta ration the the quarantine snacks it's, it's very tempting to just eat them all <laughs> i'm just it's lying not, in yeah. bed staring into the yeah. abyss not doing anything mm-hmm. that somehow takes up a lot of my time very long naps like ridiculously long naps True. yeah i mean whatever i do have a couple updates <laughs> uh update number one a huge thank you to listener patrick that sent us yes. a month of the Criterion channel. That is amazing. That is a super nice Such gift. An amazing gift. I had mentioned on the last episode that Filmstruck was gone. And Patrick was like, oh, they basically just rebranded it as the Criterion channel. Here's a month of it. How amazing is that? Amazing. Thank you so much. So really, Patrick, I, I know that I know that Patrick had no intention of giving that to me, but I will be watching it and I appreciate it. <laughs> Mac is like an added bonus to that. I, I, it's a no. That's super sweet and super considerate. I should probably, since I'm really like literally doing nothing, start like watching a movie a day or something. 
You got. You could do it. Perhaps it's you letterboxed, where you where you uh, write little reviews of all the movies you watch. Oh, see, there you go. I mean, I probably won't, but I could. I've got lots of homework assignments if you're interested. (laughs) Maybe that's really what we need right now. Uh, Some friends of ours, their kids have been making a kids news every day. And it's the literally the most adorable thing I've ever seen in my life. It's just them giving like an update on like what is happening in the house, like where they are on Lego projects. And oh my goodness. how much? What's like a breaking news story <laughs> that they've covered? <laughs> um, like the hamster got loose or something? Yeah, they've shown their pets. They had a, uh, they talked to their uncle in uh, Buenos Aires. So they got, they did an interview. They had a foreign correspondent. <laughs> they update on what the toilet paper situation is. And that it's literally the cutest <laughs> thing funny. I've ever seen in my life. That's freaking adorable. Uh, so shout out to Kit. This episode of Perhaps It's You actually brought to you by Kids News. <laughs> it's actually the only news source I've been consuming. So I. It's a lot less uh, depressing than other news sources. People seem really freaked out in general, but I'm not sure why, because all I've shown is that Rex doing well on his Legos and uh, it's like, it's a nice day out. So. Yeah, they do the weather. There's like dancing. Yeah. Everything seems fine. I don't know what people are talking about. <laughs> this is freaking adorable. Um, my, the other update that I had was a couple episodes ago, we talked about beauty queen Tammy Lynn, who vanished <laughs> off the face of the earth. And you had asked if she was actually in the movie Scarface. And I said that I didn't think she was. I was wrong. So if you watch Scarface, you will see Tammy Lynn. This is coming from Wikipedia. She is the girl who is a distraction to the lookout car during the bloody chainsaw shower scene. I I honestly wondered if it was near the chainsaw scene, and I don't know why I thought that. I've never seen Scarface, so that is quite a sentence. (laughs) I've never seen it either, so that is... That sounds wild. Um, but that, I mean, that's kind of cool that she's in such a like beloved, remembered movie. It's her right. legacy. Google her. That movie comes up. So I was wondering if she was in it. It turns out she yeah. is. Yeah. So she lives on. Yeah. Oh, justice for Tammy Lynn. I know. We have a new episode to talk about today. We are on episode three. Yes. This episode is pretty good. I actually really liked it. Um. Am I at the right part of my notebook? No, but okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're first, right, Liz? I am first, and I'm talking. Oh, first of all, though, when Robert Stack is like just introducing the episode, is he at the DMV? Where the hell is he? <laughs> He's standing. It did look like some kind of government. Yeah, that they just like dimmed the lights on, and I was like, is that the DMV? <laughs> Not sure. Robert, we really need to shoot today. Well, too bad. I'm getting my license renewed. <laughs> All right, all right. I mean, make the best of it. Okay, so my um case is a a wanted. They, is it though? They called it a wanted. It's really not though. <laughs> it's um if you look this up on Unsolved Mysteries Wiki, it's referred to as the Seattle arsonist. This is a case okay. from 1989. It is um so there was an arsonist in the area, but this segment is mostly talking about the four alarm fire that was the Blackstock Lumber Warehouse fire. Um. So it starts with some footage of that that includes, like, the roof exploding and, you know, a warehouse burning down. (laughs) Um, And they thought it was connected to an unidentified arsonist that had been connected to over 20 fires in and around Seattle. 
So the Blackstock Lumber Fire happens at 10 p.m. Uh, 20 fire trucks respond. Um, at first, they thought that the fire was controllable, but then it sp- very quickly spread to other parts. And like I said, the roof exploded. So we hear a little bit about Matt Johnson, who was a firefighter who died in the fire. Um, his partner is uh, interviewed from Unsolved Mysteries, and he talks about just how the intense heat was so overwhelming that it felt like he was being x-rayed by heat. Um, so it felt like he was being x-rayed by heat, and so it was impossible for him to get his partner out of the blaze because he was so like weak and disoriented. Um, and the lack of oxygen and the intense heat left Matt unable to move. So he ended up dying in the fire, but his partner, who we hear from, Bill Meredith, was able to escape. So Matt's body is found in rubble uh, the next day. He left behind a wife and a 15-year-old son. So originally they were thinking that maybe the fire had started by accident, like someone was trying to keep warm and it got out of control. But then we hear from investigator Dennis Flower, who thinks he discovered a pattern in the ruins that matched the signature of a serial arsonist that he had been tracking for years. And it seems like this guy has created this like mythological nemesis in his mind that it's like him versus this arsonist. And he's like determined to um, track him down. And he says that he first encountered this arsonist in 1984 when Seattle's carpet exchange warehouse burned down in less than 20 minutes. And that the fire was so intense, it melted concrete and warped steel beams which I'm not going to say anything about 9-11 right now. <laughs> so after the Blackstock Lumberyard fire, the Seattle Police Department began investigating on a national scale. They were like looking for other warehouse fires that fit that pattern. And they decided that there was 20 fires in the United States and Canada that seemed to be started by the same individual who they were calling the King of Arsonists, which is super ridiculous okay so the fires started by this arsonist were considered especially dangerous because okay this sentence from unsolved mysteries wiki makes no sense to me the fires stuck by this arsonist were especially dangerous because the oxygen in their water only made the fire burn faster and hotter they said that in the episode and i'm sorry but i what i don't think i don't know I, look i'm not a scientist i'm not a a fire investigator i know very little about water but i don't think the oxygen and water makes fires burn better is that a thing well i guess like a grease fire if you throw water on it it just spreads it around right it doesn't put it out so maybe what it, it did say that there was some special accelerant being used that they had a hard time identifying yeah i don't know yeah i don't i don't know a lot about it either but they um, were like the chemicals they used meant it burned meant it burned really hot and the oxygen in our water only made the fire work like i've never heard this before and it sounds super not real yeah that that is a weird one but they claimed he was uh, i don't know the most sophisticated arsonist in the history of the united states and a part of what made him so dangerous was that he designed his fires to be death traps and like mac was saying he was said to use an accelerant with that was unknown and left no residue um okay (laughs) they were calling it a high temperature accelerant or hta and then it generated temperatures between 5,000 and 7,000 degrees which is three times hotter than a normal fire so 
Yeah. So maybe, maybe at that heat, yeah, you boil the water almost immediately and then it ends up feeding the, the flames uh, somehow. I, I well, good thing we have Mac here because that just sounded like gibberish to me. That that sounds more legit than what they were saying in the episode. So maybe that's. It. And at this point, I drew a mustache, and I think it was this guy trying to track the arsonist. But honestly, I don't remember. I just remember that he had a really sophisticated-looking mustache. It actually looked really good on him, and I called it the Alfred. And it's one of the few cases where I was like, "Yes, that white guy should have a mustache. Looks great." <laughs> <laughs> so we now get to the part where the Seattle Fire Department does a test fire with an empty shopping mall, which is wild to me. So there was, I guess, this mall that no one was using anymore. So they just decided to burn it the fuck down. <laughs> and then they decide they like did different accelerants or like different mixtures and fuel of different parts of the mall to try to figure out what this arsonist was using. And they wouldn't tell us on the show what it was because they don't want us all to become the king of arsonists. But they said that it was a. Well, the prince at this point, right? The king is. You'd be the prince or princess. The of Duke. Ar- the Duke and Duchess of Arsonists. <laughs> uh, the fuel was said to be a mixture of several common ingredients and that they felt that the arsonist might not be an engineer, but he definitely knew a lot about building construction because. He's read a book. He's read a book. <laughs> He's very dangerous. He has a library card. He knows how to use it. Um, that he knew enough about building construction to like make sure the fires were death traps. Though I sort of feel like really hot fires, they're going to be death traps. Like I don't understand. Um, they also speculated that he might be mixing this like special accelerant and getting other people to light it, but that's based on like nothing. I don't see any evidence of that. Um, There's not a lot of evidence. Yet another unsolved mystery. Yeah, yeah, that's another unsolved mystery. So that test was done on March 25th, 1990. They burned down that shopping mall, which, God, that must have been so fun. It looked fun. I in the the video. I wish, I wish I could have been there for that. I don't think there was a lot of scientific value, but they got a light shit on fire, which is probably just what they wanted. Yeah. Um. So according to their test, only one fire produced the same type of fire that was at the Black Dock Lumberyard. And that was based on an eyewitness who read about the fire in the paper and realized he had been in the area 15 minutes prior to when the alarm was called in. Oh, this is the person that sees this car. So someone saw a like 1970s or 1980s Mercedes driving out of the parking lot of the lumberyard shortly before the fire. And it just seemed weird, like it was a super nice car coming from a warehouse. So they kind of remembered that. Um, from a different fire, there's a woman that saw a quote suspicious man after the fire was set, and literally the only thing suspicious about him was that he wasn't looking at the fire. Uh-huh. That there was like a c- crowd gathering, and then this one man was like, "Whatever, I've seen fires, I don't care." So he's like walking <laughs> away, and she thought that that was suspicious. So they show sketches. The cool guys don't yeah. look at explosions. Yeah, he was, uh, like, too cool. Yeah. She was like, mm, I don't know, there's something suspicious about how cool <laughs> that guy is. So they had, under hypnosis, of course, because this is Unsolved Mysteries, they had both eyewitnesses describe the two men that they saw and then had sketches made. They don't look a thing alike. Um, but they are wanted for questioning, even if they're not arsonists. The guy driving the Mercedes was between 35 and 40 in 1992, 
he had gray hair and a mustache and a beard and a receding hairline. And the guy that was like too cool for school was six foot, well-dressed in his mid to early thirties in 1992 and was said to have an athletic build, dark complexion and dark hair. So um, two firefighters died in these arson fires. We hear only about Matt Johnson, but also Robert Earhart died in 1988 apartment fire. So um, the authorities at the end of the segment are like looking into suspicious insurance claims. So this aired in 1992. The thing is, the lumber yard fire probably is not an arson. Because guess oh. what? It's a warehouse full of lumber. Yes. <laughs> Very burnable stuff. This this whole episode, they present almost no actual hard evidence. They just keep talking about how hot the fire was burning and how they didn't know what the accelerant was. Couldn't the accelerant have been wood? Yeah. Wood yeah. Um, wood factory burned really well. Like, the fact that they're like, we can't find evident any evidence of accelerant. It somehow has left no residue. There's like literally no evidence of it. They're just like, but it was really hot. Uh-huh. So this is what Unsolved Mysteries Wiki says. Unresolved. In September of 92, Paul Keller was arrested for several arson fires in Seattle. Originally, he was thought to be the arsonist. However, in February of 1995... A new investigation by the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms into the Blackstop Lumberyard case determined that it was an accident. Investigators concluded that the high temperatures, the high temperature accelerant was not the cause and that a power line most likely caused the sparks. Another possibility was that, and this is their word, transients had accidentally started the fire. Either way, lumber stored at the facility caused the fire to reach such high temperatures. It's like, yes, it's just a thing of fire fuel. Like, it's, it's I can't believe this match warehouse <laughs> yeah. exploded. What? Yeah. Many of the fires that were believed to be caused by this, like, special accelerant were actually determined to be accidents. However, authorities have yet to close, close all cases linked to the, quote, king of arsonists. So there probably were some arson cases in Seattle, except that the one that they talk about on Unsolved Mysteries is just a tragic fire at a lumber warehouse. Well, it's something they mentioned because they referenced fires across the country that they thought were attributed to this king of arson. But then they mentioned just like offhandedly, sorry if you just heard my dog sneeze. um, They mentioned just like offhandedly that they were looking into insurance claims related to some of the fires, which is like, hmm. I mean, yeah, it's arson, but they're making it sound like this diabolical right. person who's going around setting fires to kill firefighters specifically. And when it's like, some of these that were probably arson maybe were more for insurance money. Uh, but this one specifically was just yeah, like, but, yeah, a wood factory burned down. But if you're going to burn down your facility for the insurance money, why would you go with anyone <laughs> but the king? Well, I right. guess that could be one theory is that people were hiring him for their insurance thing. Oh, but I, I that would make a good movie. I don't think that's true. You've tried the rest. <laughs> now try the best. The King of Arson. I I think that they felt for whatever reason like very attacked. Like they seemed to take this very personally. And I'm sure they were quite upset that this firefighter died. But I don't think someone like masterminded this to make this like perfect death trap. It's it's more just fires are dangerous. Mm-hmm. And wood burns pretty good. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, I'm not a fire expert, but I do know that. I've seen many forensic files, and I'm sure if forensic files were updated, this would be like even more common. But that we're uh, arsonist will uh, an arson investigator will point to things and say like, oh, this proves the burn pattern like started in this room and this accelerant was used, blah, blah, blah. And then like a few years later, someone comes in and is like, yeah, that's actually none of that is true. It was an electrical fire. This person's in jail for no reason. Like things that people were pointing to as like irrefutable evidence turned out to be like way more open to interpretation and that people that were arson investigators had received actually very little training they had, see- they had received, like, just enough training to be dangerous and think they knew what they were talking about, but they would be interpreting things wrong. And uh, the fact that these people just assumed there must be this, like, miracle accelerant that they couldn't, like, test for or see any evidence of. Like, what are you basing that on? Absolutely nothing. Yeah, arson investigation is, like, a lot of forensic science that has come under increased scrutiny in recent years. Like, we often talk about how hair hair analysis is just completely bunk and i don't know that it's completely bunk but it's more like to use it properly would would have it guide your investigation but you would have other evidence right not just going off of because burn patterns what yeah like liz said if you watch old forensic files what are referred to as burn patterns like people know now that normal accidental fires can create things that look like accelerant pooling or whatever so i'm suspicious of this specifically because there's no other evidence the witnesses that means nothing there's just people around a fire like that doesn't <laughs> a huge fire that doesn't yeah more no and all the you know the only thing they had was that it was really hot like it's a giant fire in a wood factory of course it's hot like what i don't yeah they I think they were mostly excited that they had footage of, like, things burning down. And that makes for okay television. But there's not really a lot of a case here. Okay. Now it's time for Mac. We brought Mac on the show because we have a more political case. So he's going to take us down memory lane. Yeah, the I'm the assassination <laughs> guy, I guess. Um, the uh, So, so uh, the second... Uh, segment of this episode deals with Huey Long, um, the, the Kingfish, um, which I, I discovered was a self, uh, uh, oh, you declared can't do that. nickname. He started you can't getting, do that. That's yeah. not how nicknames work. <laughs> he, he started answering the phone as, as this is the Kingfish and stuff like that. So uncool. he's, um, yeah, that, what a loser. Yeah. Um, so the, the segment is, I mean, it's more about who Huey Long was and and that, and that's probably what's most interesting about it. The mystery itself is just sort of like, well, here's the story of his assassination, and maybe it didn't happen that way. Um, So as far as a mystery goes, I don't know that it's mysterious, but I do think um, Huey Long is an interesting figure and and certainly worth uh, talking about. Well, I, I mean... (laughs) <laughs> we'll we'll talk about that later, I guess. Um, just because there are a lot of reasons to think that maybe that's not maybe the story they tell is not exact. And that was something that I, I found kind of interesting. So like a few years ago, um the dollop, the the Dave Anthony and, and Gareth Reynolds podcast, they did an episode on Huey Long. And um so that's where a lot of my information that and and, and our good friends at Wikipedia um, are, are, are informing me a lot about Huey Long. But, I mean, he's always been an interesting figure. Um, 
if you saw the movie or, or you know, if you're a, a literate person and, and you liked the book, All the King's Men, the Robert Penn Warren book, that's supposedly about Huey Long. Oh, and, okay. And, um, the sort of uh, thing. Um, Sinclair Lewis wrote a book in the, uh, I want to say in the 30s, called It Can't Happen Here, about um, a sort of fascist leader coming to power in um, the United States. And that is also a, a sort of Huey Long parable. And, uh, and that's something that the episode didn't really go into. What Like they painted him as... Uh, a, a populist figure and one who was sort of out there for the working person and for the poor. And he was, and, and it, it, it's hard to talk about Huey Long because he's, he's like equally good and evil in a lot of ways. He built a ton of hospitals. He, he taught hundred thousand people in Louisiana how to read. I mean, Louisiana in, in the twenties and thirties was, was, was a very poor and a very, uh, uh, I guess backward uh, to use a kind of loaded term uh, place. And Huey Long was out there honestly fighting for poor people and for, uh, and against like big business interests and oil companies and things. So like it's, you, you hear some of his speeches and you're like, yeah, all right. And then you kind of look further and you wonder, okay, what am I getting on board with? Um, so, uh, just a background about him. He was, you know, he was the born in, uh, I think, 1893. Um, grew up uh, in Louisiana and um, got going really early. Like he was a, uh, he, he dropped out of law school at like 19, but still managed to argue before the that Supreme Court. Yeah, that's really impressive. And I mean, this is also like long enough, long enough ago that, America wasn't really a very serious place <laughs> sure. yet, you know, like you could have kind of goofballs uh, come to enormous power in ways like, um, you know, we, we, it's hard to remember, well, I certainly don't, I'm not old enough, but like prior to World War Two, America was kind of a joke, right? Like it wasn't, um, it was, it was, it was a, a smaller country. I mean, not in terms of sure. um, area but it, it just wasn't like a world power in the way that we think of it now it was getting there but it, it wasn't yet so um in 1924 he's elected governor on a, an extremely powerful uh, extremely populist plan he's talking about building roads he's talking about building hospitals he's adding night school so that people can learn to read he's um talking about uh doing all kinds of uh, social programs he he added uh medical school to the Louisiana State University and um, but at the same time so he's doing all this good stuff uh, he is also like the archetype of that sort of southern politician who is in control is like dictator for life in whatever sort of fiefdom he has right so like when he leaves office his wife takes over right and then after the assassination his son is senator from louisiana for yeah. like 40 years you know it's, um, it's 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 these uh you know political machines happen all over the place there's there's new york there's chicago there's all, all the the sort of expected things but like huey long is kind of the archetypal southern like 
uh, uh, I am the state kind of person. And, and that's where it gets kind of scary, where all of the populist rhetoric kind of turns into stop sounding like, I don't know, uh, uh, Frederick or Franklin Roosevelt and start sounding like Benito Mussolini, right? Um, the, and so in a way, it's interesting to talk about Huey Long now because, um, well, uh, we live in a country that has a, 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 a Huey Long sort of esque figure at the top who's just not nearly as skilled and um, uh, powerful in the way that, that Huey was. Did um, he really wear white suits all the time? But he wore, he not only wore white suits, he would wear like purple and um, pink suits and things. He wow. was, he was a very flashy. I wish they had highlighted and, that more um, in the segment. Yeah, they had him in a white suit, but I think should have a pink one. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think he was wearing a white suit when uh, yeah, when he died. That. So they let's were just, just being, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But but so Huey Long, part of his so it, it, uh, we should say um, this is a fun little part of his uh, work. He um, so every, he keeps getting elected to. Uh, political office and then getting impeached because people are, you know, the, he is genuinely opposed to business interests and they um, come for him. And um, he upset all of the, like, this is the thirties when the democratic party is the only party in the South. Right. And it's sort of turning the tide between, you know, the, the, the parties have sort of switched alignments in terms of ideology sure. throughout the century. So, this is kind of in a, in a flux. So he, this is, he, you know, he's, uh, he's coming in as a populist Democrat, which is new. And, um, and so uh, when he's, when he's uh, elected to the Senate, and I believe that is in 1930, sure. um, he, he's, he's worried that, uh, his power in the state itself is not going to be um, consolidated properly. So uh, he actually takes nine months to get to the Senate. He's elected and then delays swearing into the Senate for nine months so that he can stay governor and make sure that um, the people he wants oh, to be in charge are going weird. to be in charge when he leaves. Um, so as a Senator, he's still basically running Louisiana. Um, though he's not supposed to be, you know, and, um, and he's just kind of a, a, a loud mouth. He's, he's for the poor. He's, he's Mr. Mr. Tough guy. And, and there's a lot of reasons uh, I think people liked him because he did genuinely support them, but at the same time, and then they, they do mention this in the episode that he's sort of insanely vindictive. If you are his opponent to Huey Long, because they, they said, said if you were, if you, became <laughs> enemy, you were an enemy for life. I wrote that down and I was like, well, that's admirable. <laughs> Say what you will about the man, but he knew how to hold a grudge. And he absolutely did. And, and that is kind of comes into the deal with his assassination. So, um, I mean, one of the one of the things that the episode doesn't go into and is probably pretty related to his death is that in 1935, a paramilitary organization was formed in the state called the Square Deal Association explicitly to fight oh. Huey Long. Like, these were, are guys with guns were these the guys <laughs> getting ready to like go to war with... Like yeah! Outside. 
that footage is amazing. And I mean, yeah. So like, they did have a, a, oh a shootout at the airport in Baton Rouge, and <laughs> like, it's, it's so they're kind of acting in the episode like, who could have seen this coming? This is this is you know why would this simple doctor uh, shoot the the senator and and things like that? And it's like, well, there's a lot more to that story, especially around violence and uh, Huey Long as a person than um, then they're really giving it credit for. So um, the story of the assassination is that um, there, you know, for whatever reason, the United States Senator is in the gov- is in the um, state sure. capitol building. Um, not a normal thing, at least today. Um, you know, the, the, he, he isn't a state legislator, right? He, he is a, a, a national legislator and, and has no has no legitimate power in the state at that point, but he, um, but he, he's there, he's fighting with people, he's walking around and um, this, this uh, Dr. Weiss, um, what is his first name? Carl Weiss is, uh, is waiting there supposedly to speak with him, but it's at this, at some point he's coming out of a guy's office and uh, Carl Weiss allegedly pulls a gun and shoots him and then Huey's bodyguards take out all of their guns and shoot Seems Carl like 60 times. They look uh, they they wanted to make sure he was body dead. With and also that he didn't come back as a zombie. <laughs> yeah, no, they they just turned him into pulp on the ground and um Huey doesn't die in this incident. He, he and they reenact when he's like, and, he shot uh, me, and, and he's like, he's like running down the hall. Yeah, <laughs> and he kind of staggers off and and is taken to a hospital and um and and this is also not covered. They do cover it a bit in the in the show that um there's some controversy as to whether a bullet was removed from Long's body. Um, from him, he was still alive at the time. Um, according to some witnesses, says the episode that they pulled out a, a slug and by like vague descriptions from non-professionals of the bullet, they think it's it's too big Who to knows? the size of the gun that Carl Weiss had. Other people say there wasn't a bullet that was ever removed from him. Um, one thing we do know is that uh, in Baton Rouge, the uh, he went to the hospital and they tried to get, um, this was not in the show, but they tried to get some of the doctors from New Orleans who were, you know, the bigger city, they're, they're more specialists to come up to work on him. Um, but oh. they were in a car crash on the way there. So the, the chief person in charge at the hospital at the time was kind of like a country doctor. He didn't really know surgery but he was like i'll give it a shot and tried to do the surgery (laughs) um and and yeah long ended up dying a few days later or uh three they were like in the in this segment Um, they claimed that the bullet went into his intestine they like patch up his intestine but then just like don't notice that his kidney is also punctured is that is that line up does that seem accurate i mean that, so I, I did a little looking and nobody's the, the thing is like this isn't 
really a big conspiracy theory. I think you have to be pretty deep into Huey Long lore to 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 be concerned about this. I don't think most people accept that there is any real um, question to what happened here. I, I think it's kind of like there are some historians who are very interested in Huey Long as a figure um, who who do want to think that maybe it was an accident or maybe it was, um, you know, there are people though who think like at this time, um, Long was having a feud with Franklin Roosevelt. So there are oh. people out there who think that this was like done by the government. And, um, you know, it's too early for any of the like, CIA or uh, FBI stuff. I mean, the FBI existed, but not not in the way that we kind of would think of it thirty years later. But um, but yeah, it's it's not um, the you know the world of conspiracy hadn't really been constructed but yet. Uh, so literally, people said they were going to, to kill him, and then he was shot. I mean, that's the thing. Like he was somebody made a death threat that we're going to shoot you tonight. And then he got shot and people Excuse are like, me, how could this have happened? You know, it's kind of, um, well, and the, the other thing is that, so they said, Oh, his only connection was that his father-in-law was a judge who was being gerrymandered out of being a judge by Long's, but what Long was doing. And that's true. But um, Weiss's, uh, sister was also oh. fired from being a teacher because of Huey Long and his like sister-in-laws. He had a bunch of family. I mean, I think to be sort of prominent in the state, you were either with or against Huey Long. And uh, if you were against him, you were very against Interesting. him. So it's, it's uh, yeah. So it's hard to say. And I don't know. I don't know that there's any, evidence that Carl Weiss was part of the Square Deal Association, the sort of paramilitary organization form, but those were just business right. owners. You know, they weren't like <laughs> gorillas in the forest or they something. They were just people like, who hated. Um, <laughs> you know, they, they, they didn't set up a... <clears throat> yeah, it's not, it's not like... It's not, uh, uh, yeah, a, a group living in the swamps, like doing terrorist attacks. They were just, they were business owners. They were, they were middle-class people who felt like his sort of strain of uh, populism was, was detrimental that to their footage business. Of that footage the, of all the guys um, getting off of those trucks with guns is wild. It's worth watching the segment just for that. Yeah. I mean, it, uh, yeah, and it's it's an interesting. Set. I think that I mean I know we talk about this later, but I think the reenactment yeah. is decent, and um, and it's actually kind of an interesting thing to learn about a a guy that is sort of an obscure figure in in American history. Um, I I you know what he would have done if he hadn't been killed is is a, an interesting question. There's a lot of theories that. He was going to run against Franklin. He had originally supported Roosevelt in 1932, but um, there were theories that he was going to run against him in 36 from even uh, from a more populist huh. standpoint. And um, then there are theories that he wasn't going to do that. He was going to do some other electional electioneering. And but he would say things like, you know, if I he would always say that Franklin Roosevelt was a fraud because he was from a rich family and that 
if I, I can promise way more than he can. And if I get in there, they'll have trouble getting me out after four terms and things like that. Like he was ready to become, you know, this would become the United States of Huey Long's America and things like that. So I don't know. I mean, he, he, well, they he's show an this, interesting figure. Um, they show this footage from his funeral down. of all of these people lined up to pay their respects, just like regular people that felt impacted by his policy. So he clearly he was incredibly popular to the people who liked him. That's 200,000 people went to his funeral. And uh, yeah, so he he's, it's, it's really difficult. It's hard to say. I mean, one of the thing, a lot of historians point out, so, you know, you think Southern politician in the thirties and you kind of wonder um, one of the, the interesting things about it, he was opposed to the to the Ku Klux Klan, and he um, was opposed to a lot of types of bigotry. He didn't use a lot of race baiting in his speeches or anything. But um, other historians have said, well, he this is the Jim to. Crow South. Uh, yeah. He didn't have to, exactly. Like, that almost went without saying in Louisiana in the 30s. Um, so it, it's... And he also did a thing where he would say what he knew his audience wanted to hear. He would, you know, I guess there are stories of him campaigning in northern Louisiana, which is much more sort of, um, you know, they, they were very opposed to alcohol and things like that. And he would he would be Mr. Teetotaler up in the north. But then he, when he was down near New Orleans, uh, he was talking about whiskey and all this. So he, he just, you never really, the most important thing to Huey Long was that Huey Long be powerful. And um, whatever he had to do to get that, it seemed like he was willing to do. Um, but yeah, whether whether Carl Weiss actually shot him or not, I almost hope not, just because that guy seems so he sad. Did His seem son really seemed sad. Like really sad on the episode. That, <laughs> I mean, but at the same time, I don't think it's such a... a, a I don't know that it's like out of the realm of possibility that a doctor whose family is considers themselves being ruined by Huey Long would snap and take matters into his own hands or would secretly be part of a paramilitary organization set up to violently oppose the evidence uh, that they the presented Senate, was know? more I mean, like these are not the actions I, of a man who was planning to kill Huey Long and I was like well what if he wasn't planning to what if he just did like right. what if he did go there to talk to him and then Huey yeah. wouldn't talk to him and he just snapped and shot him like, what do you think of the theory put forth in the episode that there's no way he could have walked into the capitol building with so many security guards there with a gun without getting frisked or someone noticing the gun and taking it away. I mean, it's that we think of that now, like going to an airport or something, but this, they didn't have metal detectors. They didn't have technology. You know, it would have been and a then guy seeing this doctor with glasses looking at probably you, was like, go on it. Going, like, that was my thought too. What I, what I thought yeah, was less likely um, was there's a theory that the, so the, there was a theory put forward that 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 Carl Weiss punches Huey Long, and then one of the bodyguards accidentally shoots Huey Long, and then they all shoot Carl Weiss to like cover it up. But part of that theory was that then they went to Carl Weiss's car and got his gun and dropped it. And I was like, how would they fucking know he had a gun, or what car was his, or what? Like, what are you talking about? 
That doesn't make any sense it to me. It seems like the simplest yeah, I mean, scenario is that Carl Weiss shot him. <laughs> now that there was an elaborate yeah. conspiracy with all 60 of his security guards to all cover up their accidental murder. Like, I don't know how they would know that he owned a gun or that it was in the glove compartment of his car and that they could go get it and leave it there. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Right. I mean, I... <laughs> It's hard to say. In a way, it like, I mean, I should, I, I can't say it doesn't matter, but it, it like, it, it isn't really a question that a lot of people have unless you're pretty specific. I do feel bad for his son. Involved, I think that because he was just uh, in, a little baby like, at the time, and it would have to be yeah. weird growing up, and it's like, oh, your dad's that assassin. Like, that's just a strange life. Right. Yeah. And it, it doesn't have that same, like, like we last time I was on, we talked about Sirhan Sirhan, and that is a weird story, right? There's weird stuff in that story, and the Kennedy assassination. There's a lot of weird stuff in in that story, and so it's easier to kind of pull strings on that and have stuff fall fall apart. Here, there's just not that much to pull, and I I don't know. I don't like being the guy who comes on and is like, yeah, the official story is always true, but uh, <laughs> but at the same time, I feel like there's just not that much like half of Louisiana or you know maybe 45 percent of Louisiana hated Huey Long 55 percent of Louisiana loved Huey there Long was literally a gang and the people who hated him like, had like who wanted him dead kill this guy so. <laughs> and then he died yeah yeah not exactly yeah I I would tend to agree yeah um, the the uh, gun that Carl Weiss used to shoot Huey Long is on display oh, okay. at the old state capitol in Baton Rouge. Kind of if interesting. you are looking to go see it. Um, well, they so found it in like that the, the um, someone's safety yeah, deposit but, box. Oh right, yeah. They they uh, it was in the police yeah. chief for the pl- gear. Um, it was missing the, for a uh, while, and it ended up being in his yeah the the police his, chief uh, who wouldn't safety deposit box for some reason. And that is a weird thing. I'll give you that. That's a that's a string you. I don't pull. know. Um, I don't think there used to but, be this like really tight chain I mean, of custody on stuff. I think he was kind of like, "Well, this is cool," and just like hung right. on to it because it's like a, a piece of history. And that's a big, yeah. And that's a big part of like why this story is harder to talk about because it is so old and life, like the way crimes are handled and the way. Like, yeah, you could probably walk into the Capitol building with a gun and no one would really note it. You know, you're not going through a metal detector. You're not necessarily being, there's not some guard sitting on a stool asking you to open your purse or your backpack or whatever. There's, it's just not, life was different back then, you know? So it's, it's hard to say. Um, I do find it but, interesting. You know, it, if you found some more evidence, yeah, I it's, don't know that it's, it's that mysterious. But I do figure. think that. Becca, um, you're saying you're not going to devote your life to this conspiracy, like like the yeah, that one his... flat earther we watched that documentary about. <laughs> I'm I'm probably not to going to. No, I might. I might. Uh, if if uh, so not a lot of people talking about this one, so this could be the next big thing. Maybe you should start a podcast all about this. Max wearing a that's, T-shirt that says "I am Mac McCormick," <laughs> and people are just like, "Come up, like, is it really you?" <laughs> The Huey Long conspiracy theorist. I wonder what the yeah the merch possibilities of this can be. Yeah, <laughs> think about it. 
I think Mac would have to start wearing a purple suit yeah. all the time. Okay. No, you got it. Oh, I could dress. I could. I could. Yeah, like those people who like study Mark Twain too yeah, much and weird. then start impersonating that? him and stuff. I could be. Uh, I could, is it just to, the more uh, you, well, you know? Oh, hi. The more you Didn't read about you Mark Twain, the more you're <laughs> like, on, no, a white three piece suit is a good idea. Yeah, I like the yeah, idea that you're gonna start da- dressing kind of like this Louis Louisiana dandy, like, but in Minnesota. <laughs> Where you're wearing like a purple linen suit and like fanning <laughs> yourself, yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, d- I, I do declare. Affectation for you. It's if we ever get to go outside ever again. Sweltering in this house. Someone do something. Yeah. <laughs> Darling, would you get me a glass of frosted lemonade? Perfect. Apart? <laughs> Quench my thirst. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. My only thought uh, yeah. about this case I like it. is you know that what? they call it a mysterious legend, which is what <laughs> they call like Bigfoot and like Black Ness Monster. They've done that with other like historical <laughs> cases too. And I don't know why they just didn't make a like history mystery or something. <laughs> mysterious legend. But they they do throw the. I think the legend of last Huey time Long. Mac was on, it was a mysterious legend, and it's yeah, like Bigfoot, Loch Ness monster, guy who got <laughs> shot. Okay, one of these things is not like the other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Unless, unless Bigfoot killed him. Uh, yeah, I mean, Matt, uh, Matt, uh, listen to your conspiracy theory. Hmm. All right. What do they have a special name for the for the Sasquatch? Not to my in, knowledge. Uh, in Louisiana, like is there? A, do we know Louisiana if there's a, a swamp oh, version of the? Maybe there's a swamp yeah. ape. So what? Right. Yeah. It could be. Yeah. I mean, I think it's. I. It is weird that they call it a legend, but I don't know. You know, what are you gonna do? Um. They yeah. They didn't have a good category. I don't know that they knew they were gonna be doing a lot of assassination talk. When they started the show, so this segment was called but "Assassination." I, I do talk. think the the sort of summary of <laughs> yeah, <it's laughs> but but I do, I do think like the the summary they gave of who he was was a little simplified. I think maybe um, it. It focused. It definitely focused on the the, the better parts of Huey's. Uh, well, I think they wanted it to than, be more sympathetic, maybe more scary one. But then it him. it does kind of leave out some of the motivations for killing him. Yeah, yeah, which I don't I don't think were noble. I will say that I think that um, wh- whoever shot him, if it wasn't an accident, as alleged in the show, then was doing it because like their liquor store was having a hard time. You know, it wasn't like, sure, uh, yeah. we need to stop this, this it was a man garage. From, uh, from helping too many people. It, it was, yeah, it was, this was, this was probably a pretty uh, sort of He shot me, he shot me. related grudge. So I'm, I'm not like. Pretty good. <laughs> this actor, like, he loves this role. He, oh, he got commit. really into it. And I have to say, the actor they got for... He had a good time, yeah. Uh, Dr. Weiss was, looked just like him. Exactly like episode him. Where they had a 40-year-old play a teenager. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this guy looked just like him. No, this one was uncanny. Maybe he is somehow a Dr. Weiss impersonator. 
It's very niche. He just appears at like historic homes in Louisiana. (laughs) It is I, Carl Weiss. He's one of one of one of the least yeah. one of the least popular accounts he has on a, Fiverr. A cameo, right now. it's only one dollar. Impersonator. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll read your first eye. It's me, Carl Weiss, assassin of Huey Long. <laughs> Just want to say happy birthday to Jenna. <laughs> Obviously, Samantha and I should start doing should cameo. We? we should do it for like fifty cents. <laughs> We should we try to have it. the cheapest cameo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We should try to have the cheap. I'm pretty sure you have to be like invited to do it. Cameo must uh, take a percentage. We... Like what would be our cut of 50 cent cameos? <laughs> I don't know. I think they were kind of like hitting up celeb. I th- they were being a little shady with the with the quarantine. With like, hey, you're gonna be stuck inside. All I you make know a about that is that do- you know, and uh, Trixie Mattel keeps turning them down. The so, if you wanted that Trixie Mattel cameo, it's apparently not happening. Yeah. But but ours for fifty cents. <laughs> sure, I'm not doing anything else. I'll record some cameos for a quarter. <laughs> <laughs> we'll spend it on we'll, beef jerky. We'll do a lot of cameos to get beef jerky. It's expensive. God damn, you're right. You're so right. Oh, I have another update for everyone, and it's so sad. And that's that I no longer work at a salon, and I no longer have access <laughs> to hair. So Mac's not going to get a surprise rat tail. Mm. Mac, do you really, really want a oh. rat tail? Yeah, I'm, I dodged a bullet here. Yeah. And not a really weird prank. <laughs> no, he... that would, you know, yeah. I think maybe when I was in like third grade, that would have been exciting. But I don't know that uh, back in back when um, sure the new kids on the block all had rat tails. Wasn't Ga- listener Gary who photoshopped oh, yeah. me and Robert Stack <laughs> yes. with rat tails? Stack Those are pretty on good. Instagram, if you want to see Robert Stack with a rat tail, <laughs> that was a good Which, picture. Who yeah. could you not? We've been waiting for this all our lives. Okay, there's one more. Ms. Mac, are you? Are, do you feel like you've done justice to your segment? I feel like you have. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, w- this isn't the biggest mystery of ever, but it is interesting to learn about Huey Long, and and it's, he's worth looking into. I know like nothing about a, him, a, so I thought it was pretty interesting. Kind of a Samantha, you have yeah, our last mystery. Yeah. Love. Saves just for you. It worked out. You always get lost love and you always get treasure. So we are looking for the siblings of Mary Jane. And this is how the story goes. On a summer day in 1947, a housewife in Weed, California, was walking through an overgrown field, which is appropriate. (laughs) As you do. In Weed, California. Uh, She's walking through a field. Strange name. From like getting groceries or something. When she finds a young girl beaten and abandoned, just like sitting in the tall grass. This is so sad. She was taken to a hospital and placed in intensive care. Due to shock, she was unable to speak to anyone or tell them who she was. She was nicknamed Baby X by the nurses at the hospital. Um, <laughs> what if they couldn't come up with like a cuter nickname for her? That sounds like some sort of cyborg robot. <laughs> Baby I sort of X. Want to see the movie where Baby X turns into like an assassin or something. Oh my she, god! She like grows up. Do you to know who a, it is? To a, it's Baby a X. Like her <laughs> childhood. Baby X. 
This is the the Muppet Baby. Babies version X. of of Wolverine. The thing is, even right? though the makeup is so bad, just being this like very bruised, beaten child in a field, even though it's like not realistic, it's still it so really sad. Uh, she was kept in the hospital because the authorities did not know what to do with her. Her photograph was. <laughs> That's the solution. The photograph okay. was distributed to several newspapers across various states. And then two weeks later, a witness came forward identifying the girl as Mary Jane Medlin, the daughter of Lucille Medlin of Selma, Oregon. Lucille was staying in a log cabin in Selma with her boyfriend, young son, and older daughter. A police officer uh, got out of his car. This reenactment police officer is ridiculous. Um, And he approaches the couple showing a photograph of Mary Jane beaten and bruised to the boyfriend who first denies that he even knows who the girl is. But then when... Because he's garbage. Lucille admits that the girl in the photograph is her daughter. And the boyfriend confesses to abandoning the child, but claims that he did not beat her. Uh, apparently, he's he's like, all I did is abandon her in a yeah, field. It's fine. Beat her. Like, who else? Okay, this guy is clearly trash. The couple had apparently decided to abandon the child because they thought that they were unable to raise three children. Lucille and her boyfriend were arrested and charged with child abandonment and assault. Lucille was allowed one visit with Mary Jane in the hospital where Mary Jane met her younger brother, James, for the first time. A few weeks later, Lucille and her boyfriend pleaded guilty to the charges against them and were sentenced to 20 years in prison. Mary Jane, uh, her her three-year-old sister, Leoma, and her four-week-old brother, James, became wardens of the state and were separated. Mary Jane initially went to live with her biological father, but later spent time in several foster homes. She married at the age of 16. She and her husband now own a successful restaurant in Placerville, California. They have four children and 10 grandchildren. In 1988, Mary Jane began searching for her siblings, and in 1991, she found her sister, Leo McCrane. Um, They were reunited. Uh, it was really cute because in the episode, Mary Jane describes how scared she was that her sister was going to reject her. And her sister was like, no, she's great. And then you see them like together, they're friends. It was really cute. They're like walking down the street and she's like, I think I'd like to buy that teapot. <laughs> and then the other one's like, why don't we go see how much it is? Pretty, that, it's pretty so adorable. Um, Mary Jane and Leoma are now searching for their long lost brother, James Gilreath. James was born on June 14th, 1947, in either Selma or Grants Pass, Oregon. He may have been adopted by an Oregon family, and they believe that his name may have been changed to Donald. So an interesting note on this case that I found when I was looking it up on Unsolved Mysteries Wiki is that before Mary Jane was identified, some investigators speculated that she was a missing Oklahoma child named Joan Gay Croft, who was also featured on Unsolved Mysteries, um, although I don't know when this, oh. I assume we'll come to it eventually. She was a girl that went missing from an Oklahoma city in the aftermath of a horrible tornado. Apparently the tornado hit the town oh. and she and her sister were hiding in the basement and her mom, her mom found them in the basement and she was fine. But then her mom had to go to the hospital and in the aftermath, her sister said that two men came into the basement and abducted her. 
Um, and so a lot of people thought that this, wow. if you look at the photo of Joan, they do kind of look similar, her and Mary Jane. Now, it wasn't, it wasn't her because Mary Jane was identified. Um, but I just thought that was interesting. Um, so this case is solved. James's adopted sister was watching the broadcast and contacted her mother who contacted James. His name is now Donald. Um, he goes by Donald Barrow and he lives in Fresno, California. Two weeks after the broadcast, Donald and his family drone, drove to Placerville, California, where they were reunited with Mary Jane and Leoma. The siblings had not seen each other in over 45 years. Um, sadly, Leoma Crane passed away That's from really cute. in 2008, but they did get oh. a few years together, so that was nice. Um, it's a very sweet reunion. is reunion. really cute. Donald is like, I'm a dude that doesn't know how to show emotions, but I have a lot of emotions <laughs> right now. He seems so happy. He brought them presents and these balloons that say congratulations on them. Right. I just I just couldn't stop from thinking of him at the balloon store at the like counter Happy just birthday? like no right, that doesn't work. Let's get some balloons. What are they gonna say? Uh hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Happy birthday, Norman. Thank you. No, that doesn't make sense. Uh I can't I guess congratulations. It's yeah. so cute. Yeah. It's really interesting <laughs> to, for me to see these people that feel such a like deep connection with their siblings that they essentially they have never known. And yet and yet they still I mean, she literally saw him one time was, for a few minutes. And yet two years old when she was found. So I, I don't remember anything from being a two year old, but she remembers seeing her brother once and she carried right. with her for her entire life. And wanted to find him and he's clearly so happy to like be a part of their lives yeah. and it's just really sweet. So, yep, that's the story of... Oh, uh, Donald does have a mustache. Um, it was pretty, oh, that is true. pretty standard. I, I... would look better without it. It's a little bit creepy, but <laughs> you know what? I called oh, it the happy Lord. family. It, it's a very it's, big it mustache. It's very huge. triangle <laughs> in shape. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I was just so happy for Donald. You know what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let, let that's him, the current like, balloon here. of a mustache. All right. Should we rate this episode? Yeah, that's <laughs> the whole episode. We only get three mysteries in this one. So let's okay, go ahead and rate stuff. it. Not it's really not that mysterious. A fire, not mysterious. A guy getting assassinated who a bunch of people wanted to kill, not that mysterious. Lost Thumbs love, down? not that mysterious. Thumbs down. Uh, I say so. Is our next category? They were really. Yeah. Good. I the think pretty good. Were, were quite good. Yeah, that, that was good. I do. You guys know if like I kind of wonder sometimes if unsolved mysteries <laughs> is like buying footage from <laughs> documentaries that don't end up working out or something because like. <laughs> Because sometimes they have these these reenactments that are really good, and I mean, obviously, sometimes they have like the actual family members of missing people or whatever sort of walk down and go like, "Oh no, what happened?" You know, and and so that explains some of it. But sometimes think... the quality is sharply different from when it isn't, and it makes me wonder if they like 
no, plot something here. You know, somebody was making look. a school movie about I think they bring the historical ones and, because and, uh, they don't money. get any of this real people. They just end up getting much better actors. Choose which ones they invest a lot of money in. Because, like, you're right. Sometimes we have that makes really sense. Okay. Yeah. Clearly, put a lot of work into finding actors that actually <laughs> like know how to act and look like the people. And then in our last episode, we have like that weird lake monster. It was almost yeah. confusing. Like, yeah, yeah. That are playing college age students and like right, teenagers right. and don't look anything like them. And you're yeah. like, what is happening right now? But I think that probably something like this, they could like feature in the commercials and they they just poured more money into it and some of the more typical segments are kind of just like "Eh, we can stretch our dollar right um our next category is fashion okay i i have to say thumbs up because max now gonna be wearing three-piece linen suits all the time I thought the fashion was pretty good, actually. And Robert Stack, he's in a few different locations. <laughs> That's he's right. Like in the I, yeah. At one mm. point, for no reason, but he's got the trick. Yeah. <laughs> no reason at all. None of no. these have anything to do with the woods. This is definitely, he just refused to possible. show up one day, so they sent the camera crew. It's like actually <laughs> Robert Stack's Fine. backyard. Here. Um, um, are those all the categories? We did read. <laughs> okay we got well we didn't of- rate robert stack like he got um yeah i think this episode pretty good even though it's only three mysteries they did a good job of covering them um mm-hmm. i thought, they I were thought it was pretty solid um i liked it i i feel like 3.5 maybe i would i'm there with you yep 3.5. It's not yeah, quite a 4, but it is if really we have good. four mysteries and maybe like a ghost. Mac, what do you think? Probably be a four. Yeah, I think I think that's right. It's a nice I, ending. I, the, yeah. The lost so you love get, was was nice. You get you know, one a nice ending. Yeah, the, the fire was interesting but not like I don't know. I mean, it's like, oh, that sucks. Um, Huey Long it's was a interesting. Mix though, because so you I, get yeah, the I, contemporary I arson, you get a historical assassination, and then you get like a nice, like, current lost love to sort of end it up on a high note. Yeah. I, yeah, I agree. If a ghost use. had been in there, that no would have really kicked it up over the line. I agree. Yeah. Do we have recommendations this week? Okay, I have the simplest, almost like goody two-shoes okay. recommendation for this week, which is that in these trying times, I feel like people should try oh, journaling. I think it's very overwhelming. It's very stressful. We're all feeling a lot of emotions. Maybe you don't want to, you know, burden other people who are also stressed out feeling all these things. It really helps to write stuff down. I personally, I kind of hate doing it. But I always feel better after I do it. Uh, you don't really need like a special anything. You have a notebook. I, when I had an office job, used to journal at work and put that in a Dropbox. You don't really need a like special whatever. I think just to like process those emotions and get them down but, will be helpful. That is my recommendation. recommendation. Super simple. That is good. It just occurs to me now that <laughs> all of the people who are like really into bullet journaling, yeah, and that's not and stuff what I'm recommending. recommending. I'm recommending uh, more just like sit down, write whatever you're <laughs> thinking, just spill it out. Don't worry about it being like very profound or like yeah. eloquent or anything like that. Just like 
be like, hey, today I was worried about this, but I have plenty of pasta, the dogs, or what, you know, whatever. Write it out. And I also just think this is going to be like a very important time in your life. And it will be interesting to look back and remember what this is like because it's That's so fucking weird. I have That's my recommendation. a weird recommendation, but it's something that I've been enjoying as I've been stuck at home. And that is live animal cameras. So, oh, yes, yes, yes. Great I idea. I recommend Eagle Cams. Because it just so happens, Minnesota has one. You can find it. Um, it's a really good camera. Uh, it even has sound if you want to hear the eagles. Um, it's the Minnesota DNR's non-game eagle cam. You can Google it and you can find it. It's on YouTube. Um, and the eagles just hatched three chicks. Like, just last week, the third one hatched. And I've watched this eagle cam for a few years. It, they had a transitional period where they had, like, like, lost the camera one season. So, like whatever but it's a nest that's actually kind of close to my work so i drive by it when i'm actually going to work and um first of all it's adorable seeing the little baby chicks you can it's fun to see them be fed like the parents will like bring fish and stuff to the nest and then feed little babies and then you can watch them grow up um but also like people get so into these eagle cameras this year for the first time i joined the facebook group for the eagle camera and there is I cannot think of something more wholesome than just all of these old people on Facebook that are just, like, so invested in the lives of these eagles. They have names. They're going to have a naming contest for the chicks pretty soon, which is, like, (gasps) that's so fun. Screenshots and, like, post updates in the group that'll be, like, feeding at 4.55 p.m. It looks like all three babies got something to eat. It's, like, so adorable. They'll, like, narrate the, like, lives of these eagles. Because they're like, they're also like a new pair of eagles, I guess. And so, like, they have this whole like thing about how they're new parents. And, like, I don't know. Maybe other people aren't as into this as I am, but it's really fun to watch. And it's like very low stakes and low stress. And it's something that you can. Back around. That's pretty much all I have to say. Oh, sorry. To be honest. Back around the 2016 election for a while, I was watching this walrus cam a lot. Yeah. I forget exactly what, but somewhere on the coast of California, they had set up a camera of where this place where all these walruses hung out. And for some reason, it was so relaxing, relaxing to watch. Actually. And they eventually turned off that camera. So I should find a new one. But I, something about also because you had oh. like the ocean noise, like lapping. And then, the you know, the walruses were just yeah. hanging out, having a grand and- old time. I was like, and I think there's this some, is this is the stuff. Hook it to my veins. Cameras to, to like for because people are stuck at home and like need something to do. They have so you could probably just look around on the internet to see if there's a different animal that might interest you. I really like the eagles just because it's fun to watch the babies grow up. Um, I will say that yeah, I need a capybara cam though. I'm looking There's for that it literally right it's the now. Southwest Florida one. And that one has had like some drama this year, actually, because there was. There was oh, what? Had, actually, that one has had drama for a few years. The only reason I watch it is because I think a year ago or two years ago, one of the babies got attacked by a by a um, owl and fell out of the nest before it was ready to fly. And they like collected it and like rehabilitated it anyway. So I still follow that camera on Facebook. And I noticed, I saw this year that one of their baby, that they had hatched one baby and it had died. And there was a huge like conspiracy about whether or not there was a fish hook in one of, and that's why like the baby died. And like, 
because I guess the people that run those, <gasps> those organizations, like the local DNR, don't intervene if it's like a natural. If something is happening naturally, like like with the three babies that hatched in Minnesota, oh. one of them might die. That's just kind of how it goes. Not often do you get all three. So like they won't intervene if it's natural. But if it was like a man-made calamity or like something unusual, like the owl attack, they will. But they didn't, and then it died. And so everyone was upset because they thought that they saw, uh, like, a fish hook. But it turns out it probably died because the parents brought something to the nest that had been killed with rat poison. Um, But then the parents, the adult eagles, laid another egg, and I guess it just hatched. So they have, like, another baby Mm. in the Southwest one. So if you want to watch that go down. Mac, is this going to be your new conspiracy? (laughs) Eagles conspiracy? (laughs) They killed him. They killed. They was assassinated. <laughs> and, um, That's what I kid you not. That is what people were doing. In, in frame four four three nine one, you can clearly hook, see a fish hook. It, it also could just be like a twist. This is murder. Thing. I don't know. Okay, don't you know how there's like those conspiracy yeah. like cruises or conventions. Do you think people from the eagle conspiracy will like start going to that? They've got a little. They've got a little cardboard like trifold uh, thing that, yeah. Um, <laughs> the eagle conspiracy. They're like in the corner you know with, the, you know. It's like, oh, we can never compete with like flat Earth and. and... Yeah, that's. A, I just like good <laughs> philosophy. I think. Mac, did you have a recommendation for us? No. Yeah, I I do want to recommend the. Um, I I talked. I mentioned it. The the episode of the dollop about Huey Long because I don't know that I did a great job explaining sort of his trajectory. Um, it's episode number two fifteen. Okay. It's from uh, it's from like three years ago. It's 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 very good, and they they go into it a lot more in depth, and and it, and that podcast in general is fun to listen to. Um, they talk about a lot of weird history moments that you might not uh, have heard of. Um, there's a really good one about Whoa. Australia losing a war against emus. Um, if okay. you've heard of that one. There, there's, a, there's an emu war in Australia huh. and uh, the emus won. So huh. it's something to... Uh, I mean, it has been a hard year for Australia. It, it's, it's I hope our Australian yeah, listeners um, are okay. They had all those fires. Then they had floods. Now they have this. Well, the floods put out the fires, so that was yeah. No, it's plus, it's been yeah. The great plus emu wars. So um, take care of Tom Hanks. Oh, damn. Um. <laughs> the emus have only. So you from. say that was a while ago. I think they would probably win today, but at the time <laughs> it was uh, closer. Um. But uh, but that's a good podcast. I, I I recommend and and the episode about Huey Long. Okay, if you're cool. Interested in? Well, I think that I pretty much wraps it up really for another week in quarantine. I mean, I guess if anyone cares about anything anymore, uh, we are on social media: Twitter, Instagram. We have a Facebook group. If you just want to talk to people, you could go to our Facebook group. You can really talk about whatever. We don't care. We are still um, producing. We have a Patreon. Patreon if you're in need we'll of some, pretty soon. Yes, if you're in need of some bonus extra content, you can go get our whole back whole Patreon dollar. thing for a dollar. That's Patreon. Um, I know. Perhaps so. Maybe it's spelled wrong, but you can Google. You can find us. There's also <laughs> links on various places, including our website. And- <laughs> 
our website is craftswithyou.com. Um, if you want to give us a five star review, I mean, yes. we could we could use a pick me up. We'd appreciate it. Uh, so. Is there anything else that we're supposed to plug? We're gonna yeah. keep doing this, as, you know, as long as we can. Um, figure you could use something to listen to, and we could use something to do. So, uh, yeah. hang tight, stay inside, stay safe. Five listeners. I think that's it. Thanks, everyone. I think that's pretty much it. Oh, you don't don't worry about yeah, solving any mysteries. You're on break Thanks right now. That's back. fine. Yeah, don't worry about it. Thank you, Mac. Thanks for doing some research. Bye. Oh, okay. Thanks for All right. having me. Bye, everyone. Bye, Everybody BD Wong.